thank you guys for coming. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Heidi. My husband and I have the honor and privilege of leading this great congregation. Um, we are excited to announce that we will officially, officially be Wisconsinites as of tomorrow. We have found a home. <laughs> to God be the glory. Um, he opened up a great rental place for us, and uh, we get to officially call Wisconsin and Superior home. So we are excited. I don't know why I'm going to cry about this. I get my shoes back. <laughs> uh, we are excited and uh, we're just so grateful for the hand of the Lord guiding and directing our steps and for all of you praying for us and uh, believing with us that God would open the right door. And uh, we truly believe that he has opened the right door for us and uh, we're incredibly blessed. So thank you all for your prayers. Um, we're coming home, so we're excited. <laughs> yeah. So this morning, I just have a couple quick announcements. Um, we have mops starting back up on Thursday. And um, any ladies who have kids or fifth grade and under, we would love for you to come join us on Thursday nights. We're doing some things a little different this year, so we're going to be having like bonfire nights. We're going to be doing craft nights. Um, Scott and I are doing a night on marriage. That's going to be interesting. Um, pray for us. We've decided, though, that now that we're 14 years in, we can actually give advice on marriage. Like, we're like, okay, we actually have come a little bit of ways. When we tried to give advice when we were like five years in, people were like, but you're still kind of in the honeymoon phase. Um, but now people trust us. We've made it 14 years. Uh, so that will be starting up on Thursday nights, the first and third uh, Thursday of the month. And we would love for you ladies to come. Paula Cicillo and the team have done a phenomenal job planning things and getting things ready to go. Um, we've been in prayer for you. We've been in prayer for your children. And we just know that God has um, exceedingly and abundantly more than we could all hope or imagine for the moms and the kids of this church and this community. So we would love for you guys to join us and be a part with us. But this morning, we're going to get into the word of God. And uh, I'm going to hand it over to the preacher man here. And uh, I love you guys. And thank you all for your prayers. And by 14 years in, she means she's endured it while I've enjoyed it. I apologize to her. No, it's been fantastic. Um, one more thing, just for the guests, if you could, um, we're so excited to have you join us. You could have gone anywhere this holiday weekend. Uh, you chose to join us here at Central Assembly, and we are so excited to have you. Welcome to the family. If you could just do me a favor, this should be a Connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you could fill that out, just put it in the offering bucket. Um, there's giving stations on your way out the door. You'll see them at each and every one of the doorways. You can drop it in there. Um, for those that are giving, you can drop that in there on your way out afterwards as well. Thank you for your continued generosity. It's because of the generosity of the faithful people of this church that we get to be a ministry center for our community. Um, or for, if you're a guest and you want to speak with somebody before you leave, we would love to get to know you. Just stop by our welcome center uh, out in the cafe area on your way out the door, and we would love to greet you there. With that being said, I want to go ahead and get into the message this morning that God has given me. Uh, we have spent this summer talking about freedom. And one of the misconceptions of freedom is that uh, freedom is really only something that somebody who's really struggling with something major needs in their life. Oftentimes freedom is one of those things that we only 
talk about if somebody is struggling with addiction or if somebody has some type of major sin, because apparently there's this different level of sins um, that we keep score of in our Christian uh, guidebooks, right, that, that we wrote, not necessarily in our Bibles. And, and freedom is oftentimes only associated with those major things in life uh, or those major addictions in life, but freedom is something that we all need on a regular basis. In fact, I found in my life that the second I feel like maybe I've arrived or like that I've, I've, I've grown enough in faith that I no longer need to pursue freedom is about the time that I need to, I need to uh, go ahead and chase it even harder because then that's when that religious nature sets in in my life or that um, self-righteous nature sets in. And we need freedom so much in our lives and it creeps back in in so many different ways with some perceived small strongholds in our lives. And so um, we spent the summer talking about freedom and we've talked about freedom in so many different ways that we just kind of need to do some self-spiritual maintenance in our lives and allow God to work in us and continue to renew our minds. And the last thing that I want to hit on is being free from bitterness. So often in our lives, we just need to learn the art of letting go. And it's so hard. It's so hard. And, and, and oftentimes we have good excuse to be bitter. I'm not even going to leave that unacknowledged. We all have things in our lives that we have, in some senses, a right to be bitter about. You're not wrong. But God has even more in store for us so that we don't have to live our lives so calloused and guarded. I want to share uh, just a portion about a man in the Bible named Joseph. Uh, Joseph had reason to be bitter. Joseph had, had reason to be angry. He even had an opportunity to exercise any of that bitterness and anger that we would be able to, to, to see him being able to cultivate in his life. He had a moment where he could have chosen to exercise it, and instead he allowed God to do what God had ordained from the very beginning. And that's what I want to talk about. Let's talk about the beginning of Joseph's opportunity to let bitterness rise up within his spirit. Genesis 37, verses 9 through 11. And then I'm going to bounce back to Genesis 37, verses 18 to 20, just because um, there's a lot of reading there, and I don't want to um, have you just, I, I want to touch on just a small portion of it, because otherwise I'm going to sit up here reading for quite a while, and y'all probably got other things you want to do today rather than just sit here and listen to me read. You can read it for yourselves if you want to read what's in between. So then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his fathers and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept what he said in mind. Verses 18 through 20 said, They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. His brothers 
are conspiring to kill Joseph. They've had enough of him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. So Joseph had a couple of dreams. In those dreams, Joseph and his brothers, Joseph was always the hero of the narrative of his dreams. While his brothers were regularly bowing down to him and his father's And Joseph was already his father's favorite son. So you have father's favorite son sharing about his dreams of the family bowing down to him. The dream before this was one where um, there was socks of corn bowing. And this one, it's the sun and, and the moon and the stars But you have this favored son who'd been given a special coat who all of these brothers have just had enough of. Like, we don't want to hear about your dream. It's bad enough that dad already loves you more than he loves us. And then you got to share the dream. A dream so much so that even dad is a little annoyed by. But dad loves you more than us, but even he is annoyed by you right now. Can't you tell? Why would you tell us this dream? So the brothers make a plan because they're tired of hearing about Joseph's dreams. They're tired of seeing Joseph be the favorite son. They're tired of doing all the work. Well, Joseph gets to hang out with dad, if you want to read a little bit more. There's a lot of reasons that these brothers have to be annoyed by Joseph. So they go to the point where they're tired of hearing about it and they devise a plan in order to make sure that they are done hearing about Joseph's dreams. In fact, they're done seeing Joseph's favor. And so they make a decision to get rid of Joseph. There are moments in all of our lives When the actions of others give us reason to be offended, they give us reason to be angry, and it causes us great hurt. If we were to follow the life of Joseph through the next few chapters of Genesis, we would see reason after reason after reason for Joseph to resent his family. Now, most of us would say Joseph earned it a little bit, He might have been able to communicate a little bit better with his brothers or his family. But Joseph can easily look at this moment in time. He's had these dreams where God has clearly elevated him around uh, above everybody else around him. And he goes from dreaming dreams about being elevated and having others bowing down to you to being tossed into a pit by the very people who are supposed to care for him the most. And whether we want to say Joseph earned it or not, at that point in time in Joseph's life, really, it wasn't his fault that his dad favored him. Joseph didn't do anything. He just happened to be born in the right place and in the right time to no fault of his own. So many of us can relate to that. And I could break that down uh, very, very simply by just stating... 
the sheer fact that I was born in this country rather than uh, another country has shown God's favor in my life in a way that I had nothing to do with. So Joseph was favored by his father, did nothing to earn that, nothing to deserve that. It was just always given to him from the beginning. And then Joseph was given a dream by God. He didn't do anything to earn that dream, to get that dream. It was given to him. Maybe he shouldn't have shared it. I don't know. Maybe he should have. Either way, in these circumstances, Joseph was hurt by his family. He was tossed into a pit by his brothers, even though at that point in time in his life, everything that had happened to him was not a result of anything that he had done in his life. It was just favor that he couldn't explain. And so you have this moment where Joseph is thrown into a pit. We'll read about further on if we were to, to continue where his brothers decide instead of throwing him into a pit, we may as well make something off of him and they sell him into slavery. Joseph li Joseph's life then follows him from slavery to a place where he grows in favor and where he's favored in a man's house named Potiphar. And then he's falsely accused at that point in time and thrown into prison where Joseph sits in prison for a few years. There's about a decade there in Joseph's life where bitterness would have been the easy answer. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. And there's a lot of perceived punishment for things that Joseph can't even really explain in his own life. You know, we all kind of understand, like, I drive a little fast at times. Thanks. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so I understand if I get pulled over for speeding, thought I was going to this morning, by the way. <laughs> if I get pulled over for speeding, I understand I earned that ticket. Like facts. My response to a, to, to a police officer who pulls me over for doing 15 over is, hey, thank you. Have a nice day. I'll pay the ticket. Like, I understand I've earned that because of my choice in life. But there are certain things in our lives that we don't feel like we've earned, that we feel like we're paying a price for. At this point in time, in Joseph's life, he probably feels like he's paying a certain price for something that he has not earned. Something that he did nothing to deserve. Whether it was a pit, whether it was Potiphar's house, or whether it was prison. Those are probably all things in his life over the course of a decade. Ten years of misery, I assume, in his life where bitterness could easily have taken root and started to bear fruit in his life. And yet, Joseph leads, leads his life in a way that is different at that moment. Because Joseph understood that there were moments in his life that could cause pain, that could lead to bitterness, or he could just continue to see what God has in store for him. In those moments where bitterness could set in, we all have a choice to make. In fact, 
In those moments where somebody else has wronged us, we not only get a choice in that moment of how we're going to respond, but we get a choice in every other moment going forward that resembles that moment to choose how we're going to respond to hurt and pain and offense in our lives. And that choice is, is we could grow bitter or we can choose to be better. We can go back in times in our lives where we point to pain and we can continue to see how this pain has grown into this pain, has grown into this pain, how this offense has led us to be offended in this area, which has allowed us to be offended in this area. And then we start to justify the angry outbursts or the hardships in our lives because of the offense of somebody else. And next thing you know, we're bearing bitter fruit in our lives because of something that we didn't necessarily deserve. Friends, let me share this. Pain is inevitable in life. Pain is inevitable in life. And, and oftentimes, we don't understand that every time pain is inflicted on our lives, because there are times where it is inflicted. Like, the hurts of our past are real. There are times where you have been wronged. There are times where you're, you're, you're walking through stuff and circumstances that you had nothing to do with orchestrating those moments in your life. I can point back to a couple of particularly painful seasons in my life that I didn't have anything to do with. And I honestly, I was quite confused by. And I was living in the wake of choices made by other people. And, and it was so hard for me to understand in that moment that I could choose pain and hold on to it in bitterness, or I could choose a different kind of pain a pain associated with progress. Because one thing that I've learned in my life is, is that even in progress, there is pain. But that pain can serve a purpose. You know, I used to work out. Not so much anymore. Um, and, and oftentimes, I remember the pain that was associated with lifting weights. And I would wake up the next day and I'd barely be able to push myself out of bed because of, of a workout that I'd had the day before. But it was a good pain because I understood that it was making progress, that it served a purpose, that I was getting stronger as a result of it. And, and, and oftentimes in our lives, we don't understand that there is a certain pain that comes with progress and sometimes you have to learn to endure the pain that comes with progress because God has a purpose for us. Those same seasons that I could talk about that were some of the toughest seasons of my life that were a result of decisions that somebody else was making have been some of the most fruitful conversations of my life post-experience with those things. Because it has been some of the hardest times in my life that Heidi and I have been able to relate to people the best and encourage them the most. Hey, God brought us through infertility. God brought us through miscarriage. God brought us through this pain or that pain. God can get you through it too. 
hey, we can call back and God provided for us in this moment. We are sure that God's going to provide for you in that moment. Because those moments of pain offered us an opportunity to make progress and eventually see God give it purpose. We have to understand that moments create momentum. There are different moments in our life that are going to create momentum. And oftentimes, we view it as negative momentum. Like, oh man, I had this setback, now here comes the wave of, 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 of tough times. Here comes the, the wave of things that are, that are going to go wrong. Like, I, I have this weird like, experience in my life where I feel like funerals happen in threes. And so, like, anytime I experience death, like, I, I get this a little bit of, like, PTSD because every time that somebody near me has died in life, I have two funerals within the next few months following that. And so, like, I get these weird moments where I get PTSD in my life where a moment that I had nothing to do with can then automatically make me assume that there's negative momentum coming. And then... We can take advantage of that, though, and realize that in these moments, in tough moments, we can choose to push through pain and we can see God create positive momentum in our life that will help us pursue our purpose. When a fence rises up in your life, your response is your responsibility. Think about that. When pain crops up, when, when tough times come, when somebody says something that's offensive, or when somebody does something that's offensive, your response is your responsibility. Oftentimes, we don't think about our response, we just think about the offense. And that offense gives us an excuse. And that excuse allows us to build walls. And those walls allow us to be calloused. One of the biggest things that I have struggled to learn in my life is how to unlearn my experiences, how to unlearn those things that I think I know, how to unlearn those things that are ingrained in me, how to unlearn those bad habits, those unhealthy habits. We're all taught to, to forgive and forget, but nobody actually does that. I also don't think that that's accurate, by the way, <laughs> but that's kind of the saying we kind of, it, it, it sounds good to our children, right? You know, my, my, my four-year-old doesn't understand, or my seven-year-old doesn't understand, or even my 11-year-old doesn't understand. Forgive and forget, it just sounds good, but it's not actually how we should always function. And we've been told that that's the right way to live. I would actually say forgive but adjust the function of how you operate. Because forgiveness happens, but there are things that are done to us that are so atrocious, that are so hideous, that are so bogus, that we shouldn't just forget those things happen. That would be foolish. You know, like if I, if I were to lead a church that way, I should get fired. Because there are certain things that if, if, if an adult engages with, with a child, that that person, that that should not be forgotten and then allow that person to be a kid's worker. Right? Like, no offense, I should be fired for being that irresponsible. But forgiveness comes with a function adjustment in life. So often, we have to be able to create a healthy way forward. We need to be able to let things go 
but proceed in a way that promotes health. Health is our pursuit. Not being guarded, not being bitter. Health is our pursuit. Spiritual health, mental health, physical health, health is what we're pursuing. And oftentimes, we use holding on to a fence as a way to protect ourselves. We build these calloused walls in our life where we establish some early defense mechanisms. And oftentimes those defense mechanisms are taken out on people who don't even understand why we're acting that way. They don't understand that our hurt has us so guarded that all we know is how to be defensive. And in our defensiveness, we, 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 we bite at somebody or we, we, we yell at somebody or we, we uh, treat somebody poorly just because we hurt others because we don't want to be hurt again. It's easier to deliver pain than it is to receive pain. So we build these calloused walls as defense mechanisms and we fortify them with everything that we can in order to protect ourselves from future pain. But let me offer this. Boundaries are better than walls. Walls are intended to isolate us. Oftentimes, they make us feel lonely. They're impenetrable, so therefore nobody could even begin to properly love us, even if they wanted to. And oftentimes, they have outward-facing defenses. They add to our hurt, and they hurt other people. While boundaries actually promote health, and relationships. So instead of barriers and walls, maybe we consider fences. Here's kind of the cool thing about fences in our lives. Fences are oftentimes transparent. You know, some people have the, the whole privacy fence thing, but oftentimes when we think of fences, they're transparent. You can see through them. You can see what's on the other side of them. They give you the opportunity to see what's actually on the other side of the wall to see if it's actually dangerous or not. Fences also offer gates where you can allow things in and out of your life based on whether they're healthy or not, based on whether those relationships are good or not. But fences do hold boundaries. Yeah, think about, uh, we had a property where the, the front yard was fenced in and on a corner lot, and um, as a kid, and, and I remember we had just a small fence that honestly, it didn't keep like the dog in the yard because the dog could go under it. Like it was just, I don't even know what they're called. It was, it was like two um, pieces of lumber across, you know, some posts. But even a fence like that would keep people from cutting the corner of our yard so that way our yard didn't get worn out. You know, it would, it would casually keep people, they weren't doing anything wrong. But it, it, it didn't give somebody a corner to cut in my life. And oftentimes, we don't view our function in, in how to move forward in healthy ways when we have bad experiences. We oftentimes just resort to protecting ourselves with everything in us, and we go into defense mode. Most of us don't need a blockade in life. We just need a filter. You can interpret that several ways, by the way. Some of us need a filter uh, through the decisions we make. Some of us need a filter in our mouths. 
But in the Bible, it talks a lot about reaping and sowing. Like it is a very, very common theme throughout the Bible. And I believe that bitterness is reaped from seed sown in a fence. I think bitterness gets watered and grows every circumstance where there's a perceived or actual similar feeling to that original offense that causes anger in our lives. And I think bitterness bears fruit when your offense turns into somebody else's offense. We don't understand in our lives how often somebody else's offense is rooted from a seed planted from our bitterness. Because bitterness from one turns into bitterness from another. Some of us have probably seen that in our children, and we don't understand that. Where our children have picked up our offense because maybe we've talked about something negatively, because maybe we've experienced something negatively, and we don't even understand that we've sown that seed in their lives, and they're bitter about it even though they haven't experienced it. I've seen it happen in family dynamics. I've seen it happen in workplace environments. I've seen it happen in friend relationships. We see it happen in schools. Bitterness plants seeds of offense in other people's lives, and other people will pick up your offense whether you think so or not. Joseph's brothers were bitter. And because Joseph's brothers were bitter, they sowed seeds of bitterness by throwing him into a pit, by selling him into slavery. And, and perceivably, they felt like their bitterness was fully justifiable as well. They felt unloved and uncared for by their father because their brother was loved more than them. They felt like God wasn't blessing them with a dream the way he'd blessed Joseph with. And they had gotten to the place where they had grown tired of feeling overlooked. And therefore, they were bitter. And their bitterness all together just continued to, 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 to grow and to fester and corporately grow as one giant act of bitterness that tossed Joseph into a pit. Joseph's brothers were bitter because Joseph had favor. Joseph had reason to be bitter and yet showed what it looked like to let go. Because we'll see later on in Joseph's life what the meaning of the dream was that God gave him. God gave him a dream that showed that Joseph was going to be a deliverer of freedom. He was going to be a provider of life, of food, of well-being. He was going to be put in a position to save his family. Joseph's dream wasn't about Joseph. Joseph's dream was about salvation for their family. And nobody understood that at the time. But Joseph was the only one that chose not to let bitterness bear fruit in his life. Joseph chose perspective. He remembered his dream, and he realized that the dream wasn't about his superiority. But instead, his dream was about providing for his family. God was going to set Joseph apart to get his family through a tough time. God was going to position Joseph to provide in their greatest moment of need. And I have to think back and see 
often in my life how God has led me to this moment. Because there are moments in my life where maybe I feel like I'm Joseph at that moment where his brothers need food. And, and I find myself in those moments where dreams have come true. And I have to look back and go, man, my process didn't look anything like what I expected it to look like. And throughout the way, I can see that God ordained my steps, even when it didn't look the way I thought it would. And oftentimes I look back at my life, and my life doesn't look the way I expected it to have looked from the journey perspective. But the results are what God had ordained from the very beginning. And so I have to trust God that he's got me on a path and a process. And I can, as I look back, see what he's brought me through as I've chosen to trust him. So here's just a few suggestions that I have for dealing with bitterness, right? Because I think it's something that we all have the choice to deal with in our lives. And sometimes we, we, we handle it the right way, and sometimes we let it fester. But if you're trying to deal with bitterness in your life, the first one is, is let God reveal it. Oftentimes, we, it's not going to reveal itself in our lives. And the funny thing is if somebody else tells us that we're dealing with it, it's just more reason for us to be offended. <laughs> and oftentimes it just adds to the bitterness. So let God reveal it. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. David understood this. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous ways in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I think that's so important, the way David wrapped that up right there. He said, hey, search me and find me. Look into my heart. Understand my thoughts and lead me to a way of everlasting. Because I honestly believe that bitterness, not, not necessarily in the eternal sense, does lead to death, though. Because oftentimes it keeps us so inwardly focused and rots at the core of who we are that we struggle to live in anything but pain. And that's not what God has in store for us. So let God, pray and let God reveal those areas in your life where the pain and the hurt is so deep that it's just a part of who you are. Second of all, let grace remove it. Romans 5.15 says, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by grace that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. You know what's funny is, is like, I've learned in my life, um, just how much grace God has had on me, that's, that's pretty easy. You know, I, honestly, obviously I'm a, um, a broken vessel. I'm an imperfect human. And God sent Jesus to the cross to die for my sins, and I'm unworthy of that. So grace abounds in me. But then beyond that, I have to realize even just, not just as much, because obviously that's a different kind of grace, but just how much other people have had grace for me in my life. It's really easy to point out the offenses in, in my life, 
and overlook the grace that others have given me. We all went through those weird teenage years. We needed a lot of grace from our parents. We all went through those, those years where maybe we had uh, been, it was probably called rebellious, it was probably just immaturity, but we had those seasons of our life where we were figuring out what life looked like and other people gave us the grace to come alongside us. I'm so thankful for the pastors in my life that had the grace to allow me to learn what God had called me to do and how to develop that in my life, even though there were things I wasn't great at. I'm so thankful for the grace my family gives me each and every day when I don't respond the right way or when my focus is in the wrong place or when I don't quite get it because I have those moments in my life. And I have to look at the grace that has been given to me and I have to understand each and every time that offense could rise up in me, hey, I'm going to go ahead and just give somebody else the grace that I need. I'm going to give somebody else the grace that I need. I'm going to give somebody else the grace that has been given to me. God gave it to me freely. I'm going to give it freely as well. I'm not going to hold on to my grace because I believe that that is holding on to our bitterness. So let God reveal it, let grace remove it, and let good replace it. As far as bitterness goes, let God reveal it, let grace remove it, let good replace it. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all, all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. See, God is not just a God of restoration, but he's a God of redemption. And what redemption looks like is, is that we are made new, but given purpose to continue to be a part of the redemption of others. That all good work abound from you because God has given you purpose. Because God has redeemed you. Because God has more in store for you. So the best time to give grace is when you need grace. The best time to give grace is when you need grace. Just remember this. Each and every time that pain and offense tries to stir up something in your life, tries to get you sidetracked in your life, remember, feelings can be manipulated. I guarantee you, when Joseph was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, I'm sure he felt those same feelings of hurt that he felt when he was thrown into the pit. I'm sure he felt the same feelings of hurt that he felt when his brothers sold him into slavery. I'm sure it was just a reminder of all of the bad things that have ever happened to Joseph and God, what did I do to deserve this? Because that's often our response. But feelings can be manipulated. So we have to remember to focus on the truth. We also have to remember the dream that God gave us. I'm going to invite Matt to come back up. I want to share just a couple of places as a good response for us 
something to take with us, something to remember this by. In 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10, we read this portion of Scripture, and oftentimes it's referred to as the prayer of Jabez. And I know some people that pray this regularly in their lives, and I actually have in mind as well. But 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10, it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to God, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted him his request. I think we fail to realize that Jabez was set up to live a life of bitterness. It was literally what he was named for. Birthed in my pain. And it would have been so easy for Jabez to identify with that pain. Somebody who was born out of a place of hurt. So much so that a mother would name him after the hurt. And yet Jabez's prayer was that God would bless him. Would enlarge his territory that his hand would keep him from harm, that it would be with him, and that God would keep him free from pain because he understood just how susceptible he was to identifying with that pain. Genesis 35, 18, you have the birth of Jacob's last son, the son born right out to the same mother of Joseph. And Rachel, as she breathed her last breath, for she was dying, she, was na- she named her son Ben-Oni. But his father named him Benjamin. Ben-Oni means son of my trouble. With her very last breath, she named her son based on the struggle of her death. In her pain, in her hardship, in her death, the last words she spoke were naming a child after her trouble. Yet Benjamin, or yet her father, his father Jacob named him Benjamin, changed his name to son of my right hand. Let me tell you something. No matter what hurt you've came from, no matter what somebody else spoke over your life, no matter what offense is deep-rooted, no matter what has been birthed within you from the people around you, There is the redemptive nature of a father in each and every one of us that can take us from son of my trouble to son of my right hand. Favored one. With an inheritance. With the opportunity. And not just a life of pain and trouble, but a life of redemption 
and fullness. What you carry will eventually be birthed. And I know it's, it's weird in a society around us with some gender confusion, but there's significance to a womb. And every one of us has a spiritual womb, things that God has put within us that we are carrying, whether they're dreams, whether it's purpose, and we're carrying all of this stuff that God has put within us, that God has given us these opportunities, these dreams, the purpose, the calling. And each and every day there's an attack on our womb. And we have the choice each and every day of our life to, to allow the spiritual womb to, to continue to develop that which God has put within us. Or to allow the words in the hurt of this world to cause us to abort the dream, to abort the purpose. And I guarantee you each and every day that Joseph was in slavery and each and every day that Joseph was in prison, he thought about giving up on the dream that God had birthed within him. And instead he chose to focus on the dream. He chose to allow the hurt of his life to go by the wayside. And he chose to take every opportunity that God had granted him. Because in Joseph's life, his dream had a journey. His journey had to get him to Egypt. His journey had to get him to a place where he had favor with Pharaoh and not just favor with Jacob. Because his dream was so great that Jacob needed his dream. That Jacob needed him to have the favor of somebody who had more power than him in the then known world. God had to get Joseph to Pharaoh. That journey didn't look the way Joseph expected it to. It came through a pit. And guess what? Promotion from a pit was Potiphar's house. Promotion from Potiphar's house was prison. His proximity mattered. He had to get him there. And promotion from prison was Pharaoh's house. Joseph had a choice to give up anywhere along the way. And he continued to believe and understand that God had put something within him that he had to see through. You're going, you're going to give birth to something that you've been carrying, something that God has given you, a gift, a dream, a purpose. But each and every day that you allow bitterness and offense to wreak havoc in your soul is another day that you're avoiding your destiny. Some of us have been holding on for far too long. And as we reflect on what it looks like to walk in freedom, because we've been talking about it all summer, I'm going to go back to the very first verse that I shared leading up to this. John 8, 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's a choice for us to make to live in freedom. It's a choice 
for us to make. It's not something that somebody has done to us. It's something that Jesus has done for us. But it's our choice to receive that. But it's also our choice to walk in that. And understand that if God has ordained it, if God has put it in front of me, I'm just going to continue to say yes to taking the next step. And for some of us, the next step is letting go that which holds us back and understanding that we need to move forward in what he's called us to. Go ahead and stand with me. I'm going to, I want to pray for us. Because I believe freedom is something that we have to continue to walk out in our spirit. And I believe that freedom is something that God's not finished with us in yet. Because like I said, just when I think I've arrived, oftentimes I'm just beginning. And I have to walk through this cycle over and over and over again in my life. And I have to begin to trust him enough to walk it out. So if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. God, I know that there is a lot of hurt in this room. If you think about the collective weight of the offense that has happened in this room, it's enough to scare any and all of us away from the truth that you've given us in your scripture, in your word. But the fact of the matter is, is that the collective weight of that is so minuscule in comparison to the price you paid through the death and resurrection of Jesus on that cross that we have no reason to continue to hang on to it. And so God, right now, I declare freedom in this place in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would right even now set those people free from the hurts of parents right now in the name of Jesus. Freedom from the hurt that comes with an identifying word of a parent in a moment of trouble, in a moment of pain, where somebody has been identified by a moment of pain in the life of a parent and it has gone to affect that child, that person, that son or daughter of the Most High for the rest of their life. God, I pray that you would remove that seed of pain right now in the name of Jesus. Those ill-spoken words by parents be gone in the name of Jesus. God, and for those people that have been hanging on to hurt from friends and loved ones for their entire lives since childhood, God, I pray that those pains would be gone in the name of Jesus. God, for people that have been called worthless, Maybe for people that have been called unfit. God, for people that have been called unworthy. God, for people that have been called unloved. And the hurt and the pain that goes with that. God, I pray that you would remove that in the name of Jesus. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Holy Spirit, won't you allow us to walk in your freedom? Won't you allow us to move forward 
in your purpose. God, won't you reveal those areas in our lives that are holding us back, that are keeping us from what you have for us? Because all of your promises are yes and amen. All God's promises are yes and amen. They're not maybe. They're not but. They're not if. They're yes and amen. God has placed something in you. Allow yourself to carry what he's placed within you. To bear fruit from the seed that he's planted in your life. Not seeds of bitterness. Not, 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 not fruit of bitterness. Not fruit of pain. Not fruit of rejection. But fruit of his love and his purpose. God, be with your people as they go today. God, I pray that they would have a blessed time this week. God, even as they enjoy some family time with their family on this holiday weekend, God, I pray that your blessing and your favor would be upon your people. God, that you would expand their territory. God, that your hand would be on them. God, that you would keep them from pain. And God, that they would seek and and. and, and and, and pursue your purpose in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And family, church, and we love you. Enjoy your holiday weekend. Spend some time with your family and be a blessing to the people around you. Because remember, we aren't here at church. We are the church. Bless those around you this week. Go ahead. You're dismissed.